Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Melanie Curtis. As you guys know from our foundational episodes with Jay and me, our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust, trusting the entire journey. Today's episode is the very first episode of our Conscious Connection series where I will be interviewing other radiant beings in this big, beautiful universe that are creating, seeking, and contributing in their own ways. So same, same. If you want to connect with us, go to trustthejourney.today on our website or our Instagram. If you want to connect with us in our expanded community more deeply, you can join the Trust the Journey family anytime. Just go to our website, click the button on Patreon, donate in any amount, and we'll add you to that group. So right on, family. We love you so much. Thank you, as always, for being here. Today, we welcome Tania. Because Trust the Journey is meant to give our guests space to rest easy and share more freely. I'm going to share Tania's bio so that everyone listening can get a sense for how much she has accomplished and to give us a solid jumping off point for our conversation today. All right, here we go. Ah. Originally from Jackson, Mississippi, Tania is an internationally touring, touring musician and songwriter and has seven albums to her credit. She has won multiple awards, had her work work featured in television and film, and shared the stage with various critically acclaimed artists. One of Tania's most prominent pieces, Stand, earned a placement in the HBO documentary Prom Night in Mississippi featuring Morgan Freeman. Stand embodies Tania's ability as an artist to address deeply rooted social issues fearlessly and confidently. Her true talent, however, is that she strips down the audience, leaving their minds filled with reflection and their hearts filled with hope. With a career spanning over a decade, Tania has toured relentlessly throughout the years, is continually working on personal and elevated projects, all while spreading a message of love and equality. Tania is a visionary with the heart to match. No no matter what project she is a part of, she always delivers a stellar performance. With folk soul roots and infectious hooks, she teeters on the edge of defining a new sound and genre. In my experience, (laughs) Tania is absolutely a phenomenal singer, songwriter, and human. Someone I was lucky enough to meet at the Hatch Summit in Montana in 2019, getting to sit connecting next to each other in the front row of one of our immersive sessions. I am so grateful that our paths have crossed in this life and that I get to call her my friend and that I get to share her with you all today. Tania. Welcome. Thank you so yes. much, Melanie. <laughs> I'm like, why am I feeling like I'm going to cry already? So <laughs> I know this is going to be a really great, uh, deep and interesting conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that you feel seen and held and, and loved because that's definitely what this is about for sure. And it's all true. So, <laughs> so there's that. I think where I'd like to start and we'll we can go any direction you want at if at any point you want to redirect go for it. 
But I'm curious about how did you find music? Like, how did you find your love of music, your love of making making music? That's such a core thread in your story and your presence in the world. I'm curious about that. Yeah. So I grew up and I was always a pretty introspective kid. It's kind of funny to this day. So my mom has two kids, it's myself and my brother, and people will always say, and I'm the oldest, we didn't know you had a daughter. Like, and I find that so funny because everybody knows my brother, but they don't know me. And I just was a really quiet, introspective kid for a lot of years. And we grew up singing in church. I was really shy. My whole entire family sang in church as, as we all do in the South. And, <laughs> and that's where I kind of like learned how to sing um, and kind of learn what community looks like with vocals. Mm-hmm. And so that was the jumping off point. And then around eight years old, I start writing songs and it was mm-hmm. just a way for me to escape my daily life and to have Uh, a way to dream up worlds for myself. Amazing. Uh, And, and from there, it just kind of blossomed into a thing that I just was obsessed with doing Mm -hmm. and obsessed with learning about. And I would just study music videos. I would study songs and I would just listen to them over and over again and study the vocals and try to like do the same thing. And so I just was just always really uh, curious and interested in music and how videos came together and all of the back end of, of storytelling of music. Was there a moment when you realized you were very talented at this also? Because, and this is a, is an interesting distinction, right? About like talent, actual talent versus the relentless obsession and immersion in something that we care about or ex- are, or are excited about? Like, was there a moment when you're like, oh, wow, I actually am good at this too? Um, I, oh man. So I think it was like, for me, I, when I was younger and I got to sing and people kept, I remember um, a story. I was probably about 10 or 11 And I can't remember the song, but I kept singing it. I was singing it. And my friend said, oh, keep singing. Everybody kept wanting me to sing the same song over and over. And we just sat on the steps. And I thought, oh, I must be really good or something. They keep wanting me to sing this over and over. And I think that was the first time I realized I actually may have a talent. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think talent is is so hard because as a creative, you're constantly juggling, like, am I talented or am I delusional? Like, there's always a fine line, right? (laughs) Like, I'm being like, I think I'm brilliant. And then be like, I think I'm actually delusional and nobody's ever going to want to hear this. And I'm, you know, a little bit cuckoo here. So, you know, I still struggle with that as I think most creatives do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I use the the two dot ellipsis in my writing that doesn't exist. And I'm like, fuck the world. I'm using this. I'm using this punctuation, (laughs) you know, like sort of the rebellion and the like imposter syndrome that is sort of, you know, part of the creative journey. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, it's so cool that you actually have a moment that you remember, you know, in your young life where it's like sort of helped you. It sounds like you got a lot of encouragement as a young person around your music. Is that true? Or was it mostly your own relentless sort of obsession around it? I think it was uh, a little bit of both. So 
you know, people wanted me to sing. And then I did in middle school, I still was really shy and I, I would still categorize myself as kind of shy, but I, it took me a while in the middle school. I slowly warmed up. I think by high school, I felt confident enough in my abilities. By then I felt like my songwriting was better. I was the key songwriter for this R and B girl group that I was in. Cool. And that gave me a lot of like confidence and, you know, strength in my abilities. But, you know, I think just years of doing projects, you, you constantly hone and, and hone your craft and dig into what you're really hopefully good at. And I, so yeah. I think it's always a, a thing that's like ongoing for me. The I feel like there's a thread with performers and totally correct me if you think this is not true. I feel like I've heard this story multiple times. Like, I think I read something about Daryl Hannah as an actress and how she's really shy, very introverted. And yet, and yet they get up on stage and perform like, can, is that the same? Like you're saying you're a, you were a shy person and yet you're standing up in front of people and, and really showing yourself and connecting to others in a, in that way, what it, what would you say to that? Is there any? Do you have any thoughts on on that as a common thread with performers, or or no? I'm I'm curious. I don't know. Some like I know a lot of musicians that are like highly extroverted, and most people meet me and they think that I'm extremely extroverted because I'm like friendly. Okay. And I love people and like talk to people and everybody thinks like, Oh, she's just like really, really social. I think throughout the years I've gotten more introverted, but the stage is a very different beast. It's because for me, when I'm on stage, I am my full self. Right. Mm. So I've been doing it for a lot of years. And it's like, now when I get on stage, I just kind of show up and I'm like, I swear a lot. I tell stories. I interact. Like, I just remember, like, get, yeah, I bring people on stage. Like, it is very spontaneous, but organized at the same time. So it's like fun for me on the stage where I just got, I get to be my full self and I have an audience there to kind of feed off of. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so fun because when you're really locked in at a show and you have the audience there, it feels like you're creating a whole new like community and universe almost like it, it it's, it's like time stops. So it can be kind of addictive for people. Um, I like the stage, but I like leaving it. You know, I like mm-hmm. my, my day-to-day life to be very mm-hmm. like, introverted and private and all of that stuff. But when I'm on stage, I will tell stories about my life and my breakups and like, you know, random stories of things that have happened throughout the week. Like I like that kind of thing because it's real for me. It's not yeah. about performing. It's just about sharing who I am. Mm-mm. Oh, that is powerful. I feel like that's where the magnetism actually is derived for me. If I think if I look up and I go to a performer as someone witnessing a performer and I go, oh, yeah, like they're in the flow there. That's who they are. That's usually when I'm like drawn to that person, drawn to that performer, drawn to their music and their creativity, which is a good segue into the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which is your creative process and more so like as for trust the journey we're big into 
the conversation of healing and how do we go deeper into ourselves and all of this. And I'm curious how how has creating and making music or or creating being creative in whatever ways that you are how has that served your healing i mean you sort of touched on it that you're like you're sharing about your breakups and this and that like can you tell us more about that yeah i think you know for me and i was seeing this to another uh friend that i did a podcast interview is like it's where i get to bring my full self you know and I went through a divorce in 2019 that was really, really difficult for me. And writing my album, Black Empress, was so healing because I remember sitting on the couch and I was just sad and crying and I heard the ink hasn't dried. And I just got up and went to my guitar and then I wrote the song, one of the songs, Ink, on the the album. And it just felt like, oh, if I do this every time I'm sad and really channel it into something that makes me feel better. Right. I don't go for these, like just grabbing a drink. I don't go for just grabbing, like, you know, something else to take me out of this moment. I sit with it and then I process it in, in words and melodies. And I just found that every time I did that, I discovered a new aspect of myself and I felt better. And so Mm. by the time the record was done, like I could look at it and be so far removed from those emotions of like the sadness and just be like, Oh man, I remember when I was there, but I'm like on this whole other side of my healing journey right now. And I think that's the power of art just in general is when Mm. you take those moments that feel so heavy and so big and you channel them into something that is tangible and that feels real for you, no matter what anybody else is saying. I think that's where the magic is. And the thing I like struggle with in this kind of day and age of like, let's write a hit and let's let's do all these shiny fucking things. Like I hate the fucking shiny thing. Like they drive me nuts. Like I could go on a whole rant about it. You know, it's like, no. Yeah. Let's just be shiny and pretty and like not talk about stuff. And then like, let's make sure we we check off these little boxes. Right. That we put ourselves in. I've got a song about that as well. But like that drives me nuts because it's not coming from a real place. Anybody that has created anything from real pain knows that you don't think about genres. You don't think about radio. You don't think about anything other than this is so real for me. These emotions are real. This moment is real. And if it's real for me and I can put it on paper and I can put it in a song and with a melody and with music, somebody else is going to connect with that. And I just think that that is such the value in healing, you know, if you have a talent that can be helpful with that. Amen. God, I had tingles the entire time you were sharing just then. Um, No joke. No joke. I mean it because... It's so it like the the realness of that, the and the the power that we all have to like do that transmuting of pain and going, okay, how is this turning into something that really is a contribution to yes, myself and my own healing and to the people that are going to bear witness to the real depth of humanity that I'm sharing. That and that's brave. You know, I talk a lot about being brave and and all of that, but like, man. The whole skydiving thing, it's obviously a thing, but 
this this idea that is it is super brave to go inward and to really look into our darkness, to really feel all of our feelings, to feel our pain, and then to basically it's not not be afraid of it because we're allowed to be afraid of feeling emotional pain. It's more like being brave enough to go, what is this trying to become through me? It's like beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. It's that like uh, Phoenix rising from the ashes moment and the snake shedding its skin. And like, as a person, I love astrology and I'm a Scorpio. So like, that's my jam, right? Always like <laughs> reinvention, always like a, a rebirth of some uh, sort. And, you know, but I love that about creation because when you're locked in and you're in the moment and you're talking about stuff that's real, it just feels like you're channeling almost like you're not even there. And I think like I, I was saying to a friend, like, when you can do that, it feels like the biggest superpower you've ever had in your life. Like no matter what the medium is, you, it's like, it transforms you because you're like, how did I do this? Like, how do I have a real song or, you know, like how do I have a real piece of art? Like it feels to me, even after doing this for 30 years, you know, even wow. like starting writing as a kid and like doing it professionally for a long time, over 14 years at this point, it still is the most like awe inspiring thing to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm still so, I feel so fortunate that I get to do music. And I truly <laughs> mean that. I just, I'm always like, wow, I like get to do this as a job, <laughs> even when I'm yeah, tired, yeah. you know? Like, You're right. Totally. Oh my God, I get to do this as a job. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's something. And just before we go on to sort of the next section of my my curiosity, which is vast, by the way, um, the fact that you've created seven albums, that's a lot. Uh, that's a humongous body of work. And you you sort of briefly touched on it, but like, can you give us some insight into what is it like what what is the what is the path of such a big significant body of work is there anything you can share that would give people insight into what those bigger longer paths look like or what they take so, you know oh i am uh, um and i was laughing about this the other day with a like a friend that i work with really closely and because i'm a idea person and an executor right cool. so as soon as i have an idea and I'm figuring it out, I start to execute, even if I don't have all the ideas. And that works for me. Listen, like some people, they spend years on the ideas and then they execute. I mm -hmm. think in order for me to produce what I feel is, is valuable, I have to do it a lot faster sometimes than, than taking a, a lot of time because I understand that ideas just come quickly. Right. And mm -hmm. sometimes the story needs to be told and it needs to be told in a way that is like, you can't sit, sit here in this pain for four years. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, right. Right. We, we got two months of this girl. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta wrap it up. Right. Like that's you got a deadline girl. You got a deadline <laughs> for the pain. Get in and get out. Right. <laughs> That's so awesome. Think, and that's kind of like how I work because I understand the value of start to, from a start and then finishing a project. And so my creative process 
looks like I come up with ideas, I kind of flesh them out, and then I start calling people that I really connect with. So an example would be the Pride video I did for uh, the U.S. State Department and American Music Abroad. I had this idea. I wanted to do a a dance track for Pride. And so I I had it like, I was like, oh, I've got a melody line. So I reached out to this DJ on Fiverr who's out of Turkey. And I said, can you create a track for me? He created a track. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of wrote to it, recorded it. And I said, oh, I want uh, my friend who's a trans uh, rapper on the track. So Mm -hmm. they, they ended up killing it. And then I go to a friend that's a videographer. I was like, I don't know. Here's my ideas for the video. And they execute. So like I work with a bunch of people that do what they do really well and they execute. But most of the time, my ideas, I just sit and listen over and over, probably for hours to the ideas I have. And I'm like, is this good? Is it not good? And I struggle right. with that delusion, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 but I think that execution and people that work really well with you know, you uh, helps. And so that's kind of what I lean on. Ideas come to me in different ways. So sometimes I have a melody line and words. Sometimes I just have a concept, like a song title. Sometimes I'm just playing on guitar and then I get the lyrics. So it just depends on kind of what flow I'm in that day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I think just anytime we can share our stories, share our, how we do things. Like clearly you've, you've created a lot, you've done a lot in your life already. You know what I mean? So just to give people a window into your process, they might walk away with a nugget of like, oh yeah, that's kind of what I do. And I do and feel validated and supported so that the people who are in their own delusional imposter syndrome or whatever state, they can be like, oh, okay, cool. She's like, wildly accomplished. So I can feel a little less nervous about how I'm doing my creative work. I can just keep going. I feel like that's part of why, you know, we would want to talk about stuff like this. And you mentioned, okay, uh, being, wanting to make a video for pride. And I, I'm not even really sure how to ask this question about your activism, but cause not all artists are activists. Um, but you are, and you stand for black women, all women for LG, LGBTQ plus and, and more trans community. What is something you want listeners to know about this part of you or about this part of your, your work as an activist? I mean, my objective when I create art, you know, sometimes it's just to feel good. But a lot of the time is to have deeper conversations And so my work is always like, how can I um, have these tough conversations through songs? Music disarms people. And I think it's such a beautiful tool to make people reflect because most of Mm -hmm. the time they're just getting like the energy from the sound waves, right? It's like, bop, 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 bop. Oh, that's cool. And then, you know, the second listen, they'll listen to the lyrics and then Mm -hmm. then they'll unpack them. And like, it's it's a, a layered process, right? And so my goal is always to you know, grab people with like a hook or something. Right. But in the music aspect, but lyrically, I always want them to reflect. And so I'm Mm -hmm. never going to be the person that's like, be like, fuck you. If you don't stand for trans rights, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, 
I would love to do that, but I don't. <laughs> and that may be it might not be as effective, no. but you know, we'll see. <laughs> but it is to like the line of the podcast, right? by the way. Fuck, Fuck you, Support you. Like a t-shirt, right? Yeah. Uh, I think we have a thing going here. Yeah. We have a new merch line. (laughs) (laughs) Our entrepreneurial ideas are off the charts. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Yeah. Um, but I think it's good to pair like like the pride piece, of course, we're using it as an example right now, is like pair Daydrian, my friend, who just tells their story and the story of racial inequality and just nails it to where it's like, you know, you're just hype listening, right? To them. You're like, yes, 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 yes. And 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 I love that because it's like you want to have those beautiful moments where people, even if they don't understand something, they can reflect. So my my number one thing is like to connect with the heart, right? We are all mm-hmm. humans here no matter where we are on our spectrum of, of what we believe, because beliefs are um, a personal thing. And, and I think we shouldn't push them on other people. However, I think when it comes to progress in this world, if we don't talk about difficult things, we are stuck in the same place. And so my art, even when the whole album is about something like heartbreak, it ends up being about female empowerment because it's like, Mm -hmm. how do you pick yourself up? Or it's a universal story. How do you pick yourself up after, you know, you feel like you've been really knocked down and heartbroken and things did not work out as planned. And you channel that into people coming and being like, I understand this. You helped me get through my divorce. You helped me get through this. You helped me feel good about like being uh, LGBTQ. Like I love those stories because it's a reminder of how powerful music is. And, and so I'm constantly pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, but I'm pushing in a way that is like my way, which is like, I'm just going to put it in art. I'm going to make sure people vote. I'm going to make sure people are educated Mm -hmm. and understand where they are in this process. You can't sit on the sidelines and be like neutral when it comes to racism. That's not how you fix a problem. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. um, so I I push and I try to do it in the best ways. Um, and, and I think art helps me with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, again, brave, I, I can't not call that out. It's, it's, uh, I think awesome in the sense that if we're talking about what is a way to connect to like, and you're like, okay, I'm always trying to get to the heart. You know what I mean? And there are universal stories that then are tied or married with these tougher conversations such that people engaging your art, listening to your music might be able to open their mind because of their connection around a universal story to the thing that they don't understand, maybe like racism or LGBTQ rights or whatever. Right. And so like, I love that, that, that create creativity and that human sharing and storytelling could be, can be a bridge for those bigger, tougher things that we're looking at in society today. It's really awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So the next thing that I am curious about, again, million things, 
is, and you mentioned this also in the sense of the depth of your work and the universal story of moving through heartbreak or challenge or some just bigger life challenge that we might be in is is your spiritual journey and really wanting to hear more about that because it's rare i think that even in, in interviews people are asked about their spiritual journey and i know you know that this is a space where we like to ask about that and it you can start sort of wherever you want to start as it relates to your healing around recent challenges, as it relates to where you feel like you began or, or had a a spiritual touch point as a young person, like what, what resonates with you to start with, to share about that? Yeah. So I grew up in, in Mississippi. Uh, My dad's a minister. You know, we went to church every week, like highly um, indoctrinated. And and I mean that in a respectful way in Christianity. And uh, it was always kind of a a thing for me that I was always looking at. And even as a young person, I just am always a curious person and I'm not traditional. So my brain does not work at like when people are like, I just buy a house and get married and have kids. I like, don't understand it. Like it just like, (laughs) like for years, I was like, how does that work? Like, this is why we're friends. I know. Like, (laughs) I'm like, I don't understand. I just, I just always remember being like, I just don't, I don't. I want to travel. I want to do other stuff. So that's like my, how my brain works, which I'm like so happy. I, I this is why we connect. Um, <laughs> but I, so it was like questioning, questioning. And then, you know, I struggle in my younger years. I was just like a bigger partier and really just had some moments. And I think the reflection with prayer was good for me, but I ended up going to a healing arts school in Arizona and it really shifted my perspective so much because it was all about inward work. So mm. I took meditation classes. I took Reiki. I did hypnotherapy. I did reflexology. And it was like an internal point of like how I could heal myself. Mm. And it just changed everything for me in my spiritual journey. And so I think those tools now help me whenever I have a crisis, I don't lean on, you know, like I said, just grabbing for the easy button, right? Like as mm-hmm. Glenn, uh, uh, Glenn and Doyle will say, I, I usually do some form of therapy. So whether it's hypnotherapy, EMDR, meditation, like some kind of spiritual deep kind of therapy that I feel like is beneficial for me. And that helps me a lot. I think I spent a lot of money on therapy and people are like, you're always in therapy. I'm like, I know. <laughs> by design. By design. <laughs> like, I don't want to be out here in these streets being, you know, like a while and out. Right. So I, I always have to like pull myself back and I reflect and I say, okay, what, what's the form of therapy that's going to get me through this like really tough time? And what's the trauma attached to it? Like why am mm-hmm. I making decisions in the first place. And, and so my spiritual practice now, I wake up, I do a meditation every day. I listen to something that's inspiring. I learned something that is different from my day-to-day life. So whether it's, you know, listening to scientists or big thinkers or reading a piece of text, like those are the things that are, are really interesting for me. And I found so much value in that. Um, 
because it's not about going to a building or a space with other people and reading the text. It's about like, how can I just show up and be a better person for myself, which in turn will help me be a better person for everybody else. And I think Mm -hmm. meditation does that for me every day. I start my day, I meditate. And, you know, for the most part, uh, it keeps me pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, it's an interesting thing. Like for me with my spiritual journey, there was many years when I was like, I had no real concept of spirituality, quote unquote, whatever that means. Having a spiritual practice, I had no clue what that means, uh, what that meant. I was really only in the realm of like, okay, it's church. And then I was like, I don't really buy into that. I'm not, I'm not feeling that. Like, I don't really get it. Suddenly I'm an atheist. And then, then I'm like, wait, but no, there's something I feel and I'm crying and I don't understand, you know? So like, there's this, I, I think there's a common story around that, that growth as into one's quote unquote spirituality and what that means to to them and what works for them. And that's a thread that I feel like I hear in all of your sharing around the the real and true, peaceful and earnest non-judgment with which you show up in the world. Yeah, you stand strongly for what you believe in, but from a humanity perspective, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you really are like, that is your journey. That is your, your experience. I, I have no judgment as to what people may do or, or, or not and yada, yada. And maybe that's a little bit blurred in the activism lane, but, but the non-judgment as something that's really a strong thread, which I think is, I don't know, makes you a safer person to connect with too. And I don't know, I'm sort of rambling on about this, but I'm I'm curious about how you got to that place of like peaceful non-judgment. Is that part of your spiritual practice or yeah, you tell me. I struggle with judgment, right? Especially mm-hmm. when it's around racism and inequality and people with, with privilege that don't understand that they have privilege and like trying mm-hmm. to have a conversation. I mean, I get really frustrated a lot. <laughs> so understandable. I, I'm like no Mother Teresa in that, right? Like, Fair enough. My uh, one of my mentors says, "Like you're sweet as pudding pie," as we say here in the South. And he said, "But you do have a hey motherfucker button, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> right? Like, there is a point where you will tip. Yeah, Very like, good. It's just, I'm just being honest, but I like, <sighs> I, I think the, the value in trying to understand people, right? Like I, I try to understand people until it becomes a point where they are harming themselves and others. Mm-hmm. And then there is a point where you have to, to me as a person that cares be real and honest and be like, this is not, you know, mm-hmm. like you have to help yourself. So I, I struggle with that a little bit, but I, I try, try to use moments that are really tough as like educational moments. So for instance, I get a lot of uh, people, old, older white people in my inbox about Black Lives Matter telling me it's like mm-hmm. a terrorist group and like all this, you know, sending me all their like Fox News articles. It's great. Um, oh, sarcastically, it's so oh, great. God. Anyway, but um, and so usually I try to be really loving and and then at a certain point, then I have to like check them. Right. And be like, listen, I just posted a piece of content and you're commenting on the content. But like, 
I'm not going to have messages from you telling me that I'm going to fail and, and, you know, saying I'm sending you propaganda when I just mention an organization. And so there, there comes a point where you have to set boundaries. And, and I think as, as non-judgmental as I, I try to be with their voting and, and what's going on with them, I do have to have a moment where I have to stand up for myself and stand up for others. Like this is unacceptable to think that it's okay to send, send a person stuff like that and to tell them that their career is going to fail and all of these things that they've never experienced. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's very difficult when a person is sitting with a whole lot of privilege and they're trying to tell you why your thoughts and ideas and your support for an organization doesn't matter. Yeah. When you've been on the, the, the side of racism and you've seen racial inequality and you've seen sexism and you've seen how it affects your relationships with people, I think it, it, it makes it difficult to back down for me. Yeah, that's understandable. The distinction around having ba- non-judgment and having boundaries, like loving people compassionately from afar as a human, but in, in every way being boundaried against maybe their actions, their treatment, their their beliefs. That's completely understandable and logical. And the only way theoretically we can sustainably create, lead, show up as ourselves, have our energy protected and and all of that. So that sounds completely smart from where I'm sitting. The from the perspective of having experiences that other people don't have, is there anything you'd want to share from a story perspective relative to racism or sexism that is something that might help somebody who is not you understand what it's like to be you? I mean, God, there's been so much that's happened in my life around racism, honestly, and it's shown up in a bunch of different ways. But I think the the story I'll tell is I went to this community college with my mentor and we were um, at the time they had this thing called like the connection and it was the show choir and it was mm-hmm. like Glee before Glee was Glee, you know, we just, right. Right? Right? like this <laughs> a long time ago. And so the director gave myself, my younger brother and a bunch of us from um, this high school, we all went to scholarships. So we were all black. And then the other kids that were in were white kids. And so the the black guys would be dancing with the white girls and like, you know, we would just pair up interracially. Uh, and the, the, the head of the school, the Dean was really upset about that and was like, called him into the office, called us all kind of N words. You can't have them dancing with the white girls and all of this stuff. And at the time, uh, I had a tongue ring, a nose ring and like this, like, I think crazy hair. So I was just like, you know, I was a walking challenge for them. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, and, you know, I just like at the time, I think I was like a little pothead and like a little bohemian, just like walking, you know, gym for them to pick on. And um, so there, there was all of these like issues with that. 
And so the director was like, nope, I'm still going to keep, you know, pairing everybody interracially. And and we got harassed a lot at that school. But wow. we ended up going and like sweeping at all these competitions and and pissed off a lot of people because they were like, how dare you have all these black kids in here? And how dare they come in and like kill, you know, steal the show. And it just was like a lot. I mean, we had to work really hard to just be respected. And any time that we did anything that fell out of line, you know, we were profiled, the, the campus police were always following us, you know, it was just a really, really difficult thing to experience. And the dean ended up going to prison for embezzlement. And wow. it, it was a really interesting reflection because here he is, you know, trying to say that we were all these like criminals and and saying all kinds of negative stuff, calling us the N word. How dare you have those kids here dancing, you know, with the white girls, uh, which is, you know, historically a thing. Right. Where it's like white yeah. women are the prize. And, you know, how dare black men even look at them. Right. Mm. And I think that just sums up the equivalent of racism and systemic racism and how it shows up in different layers in different ways, because we were judged based on the color of our skin and our culture. And, and we weren't the criminals. None of us Mm -hmm. went, went to jail, you know, at, at that time or anything. And, and, and so it's moments like that, that I feel like are just so heartbreaking, but when you're in it, you're just there to prove them wrong. And I mm. think that's how you show up and, and be an activist is to constantly show up and prove people wrong that mm. have associated you based on the color of your skin or, you know, when it comes to homophobia or anything, transphobia, like you, you're showing up and you are disproving all of the things that they have already, you know, thought about you. Wow. It's powerful. It's like, it's really powerful to hear a story that you could never, would never happen to you. You know what I mean? And be like, damn, other people are, are experiencing that. And one of my favorite quotes around allyship or whatever is just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening. So like this idea of projecting our life experience onto other people and going, oh, it can't be that bad, you know, da, 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 whatever we might say. And I say we because I've been in that in that in that blind space. I'm still certainly working to uncover my own blind spots and all of that and and hope that I'm modeling in terms of allyship around lots of different areas and also being an activist in the space of women and yada, 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 all that stuff. But thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to share before we move forward? No, I mean, I've got racism stories for days, but we. (laughs) Oh, God, how terrible. You'd be like, oh, God, girl, that's awful and real. If we're if we're in the business of keeping it real, that's that's real. Well, okay, cool. So. As always, we could talk for hours and hours and hours on end. So we could always like do like 18 episodes. But for the sake of this one, uh, we want to ask a series of questions that are in alignment with our core missions, like every episode and see what 
what answers we get from the people that we have on. And so anyway, we're going to go through this set of questions. It's meant to share from the values of honesty, vulnerability, simple joy, love, learning, growing, and of course, hilarity. (laughs) I mean, obviously. Uh, So here we go. And these don't have to be short form. You can expand. We have plenty of time to expand. Uh, so from the honest, vulnerable, like what is something that's humbled you recently? My God, that's a really good question. Um, oh, that's so good. I'm trying to. (laughs) I know it's a tough one, right? And it's all, it could be big. It could be small. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I want, that's why I'm asking it. Cause I'm curious what people would say. Like I tried to think of it for myself too. I got it. So a couple of weeks ago I woke up and I wasn't feeling that great. And I thought, okay, like in a couple hours, like I should, I'll be fine. You know, I'll just like weigh it out. And I planned. So I canceled them and you know, two hours later, I was really sick and I was like, you just could not stop throwing up. And Uh, I text a a family member and I said, Hey, like if I'm not feeling better in a couple of hours, I may need to go to the hospital. And so it just got worse. Like my health just like tanked in two hours. Like I had body chills. I couldn't stop, you know, throwing up. And I just was like, I felt, I thought I had COVID, which I'm Mm -hmm. vaccinated, but I was like, maybe I have the Delta variant. Like, and so I had to call my cousin. She came over and she was like, she had COVID. She said, I, you look like I did. And I was delusional. I just remember, and it wasn't like a talent delusion. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) it was literal, like actual. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, like I was like trying to talk to myself and I was like, it was like gibberish. I was like slurring my words. I was like, I think something's really wrong here. So she ended up having to come get me with a friend. And I remember getting in the car with them and saying, no, I just want to go back home. I just want to go back into my house. It took everything to get down my stairs and get into the car. Wow. And they were like, no, you have to go to the doctor. And, and I were like, went and they gave me a whole bunch of nausea medication for like, it took 12 hours to just stop throwing up. And wow. I was, I was in a lot of pain. I've never been in that much pain in my life because I normally wow. don't get really sick like that. And, um, and it was a humbling moment because I had to reach out to somebody to take care of me and to where I could not do anything for myself and to have somebody just like watch me be sick and be like, hey, how how can I support you? I'll come take you to the doctor. I'll get a wheelchair and like roll you in. You know, I like I mean, I was that sick and it just it humbled me because I was like our, you know, our wealth is definitely in our health. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ever need somebody to take care of you, if you're a person that is independent and does all the things for yourself, it's a really hard moment. And I just remember being like so thankful for her and being like, thank you so much for being here. She's like, absolutely. That's what we do as family. But sometimes I think we forget that, you know, as the people that are always holding it together. So that humbled me for sure. Uh, And no, but, you know, and like, I'm, I don't think of myself as superficial, but it was a moment of like, 
I don't know who I can really call that can see mm. me in this state and not, you know, like feel so. Yeah. Well, it's right? very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely vulnerable. And that's part of what I, the follow on to asking this question is what was the gift? Like, what is the gift that you're taking away from that experience? Is, is, you know, because I, sh- I feel like I try to show up for other people and, and to let people show up for you. Right. Because I remember being like, oh, I think I'll be all right. You know, that kind of thing. And it's not that I was trying to tough it out. It was just that I was like, didn't want to burden somebody yeah. else. And, and I think the, the vulnerability of that is like, let people help you, you know, and, and not just in the ways that you feel comfortable with, but in other ways where you feel like, you, you don't want somebody to see you in that state or judge you, you know, let people show up for you. And I think that was a really big moment for me. Oh, love that. Yes. I echo that listeners. <laughs> I echo that listeners <laughs> family. Oh my God. Okay. So next question is sort of in the realm of joy and love. What is something that you're just loving right now or that brings you simple joy? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, and to go back, I did not have COVID, just FYI. Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I did. It was like a it was like a stomach bug or something. So it, oh, my God, it was. But like it. it well, good. Feel like it took me out. So just FYI. So people were like, what happened? Cool, cool. It wasn't yeah, COVID. Yeah. I remember cool, cool, that cool. Um, so you said, what is something that's bringing me joy? Yeah. Like what's something you're just loving right now or something that brings you simple joy? Oh man, I just, I think listening to music, um, I'm obsessed with this artist. His name is Gabriel Gorzon Montano. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, nicknamed GGM and uh, <laughs> his album Aguita it, it was like life-changing for me because I listened to it and I've had it for I think like a year and I still cry every time I hear it like there's mm-hmm. s- certain songs and I just think of how powerful music is it makes you think about falling in love it makes you think about you know, death and rebirth. It makes you think about like just your purpose in life. And so it, it music brings me a lot of joy. I think for a lot of years I did music and I would listen to music, but I, I wasn't invested in listening to music. And mm-hmm. over the last few years, it's just brought me a lot of healing myself. Sometimes when you're giving all the time, it's hard to just like take a moment and receive. And, and, yeah. and so I've been receiving music and that that's been great and joyful. Oh, love that. The reminder to receive. Oh my God. I love these questions. I'm definitely asking them to everyone who comes on the show. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. All right. Next one. What's something that you've learned recently or something that you want to learn? Oh, um, oh, there's so much I want to learn. I feel like I every, every day I'm like, I don't have enough time. I just wish that I had the time to just learn uh, in the, in the, as much as possible. But I, I think I want to learn a, a new language. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, so that, and uh, possibly like learning different dances. And so oh, cool. Cause I, I love the aspect of movement and I don't, yeah. I love dancing. I'm not a dancer. I think if that was like a second thing that I could do in my life, it would be 
to be a dancer, you know? I do and, know. And Again. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm like definitely not a dancer, but love dance. Like yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. And so that brings me like, I, I would really love to do that and to love it, uh, to learn a different language. What, why do you want to learn a different language? I just feel like my brain would love understanding how like language came to be from a different culture and understanding oh, cool. like how these, like the communication correlates with like our form of communication, you know, English and like just the dynamics. I don't know. It's, it's something about it to me is so beautiful. And it's like paying like homage and like respect to a different culture to learn their language. And so that's why. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, when I ask a why question, it's certainly from a curious place as we've witnessed the entire time today, but like sometimes the curiosity is enough where you're like, I'm not really sure yet, but I'm curious enough to want to learn a new language. And like Elizabeth Gilbert talks a lot about that, about following our curiosities, because we have this big thing about what's our purpose and all these big giant concepts that can be so stunting and so almost like a barrier. If you're like, I don't fucking know what my purpose in life is. Jesus Christ, like, come on. And uh, so like the idea of like, okay, cool. That's a very common place to be. Even just curiosities, following little trajectories of our curiosity can take us places we couldn't, we wouldn't expect. It might not turn into anything big, but it might, you know? So it's like being that openness of being willing to learn and grow in directions and bring that non-judgment to that also. That's why I love that. You're like, I want to learn a new language. I'm like, oh, cool, neat, interesting, you know? Yeah. And Elizabeth Gilbert, what a oh my God. incredible human. I just love her. Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot that. I forgot that you worked with her. She's one of my core mentors. I love her so much. Like she's the reason she's my number one mentor as a writer. Why I share as vulnerably as I do is because of her. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Ah, I love that. All right. Okay. So let's keep rolling. All right. This, I don't know if this is going to be easy to answer or hard for people, but <laughs> uh, what was the last thing or something that made you really belly laugh? It's like, so, I mean, I'm like, maybe it'll be easier to remember. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I have to think about that. Um, I know it's tough. Yeah. And because I'm like. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, cause I laugh at stuff that's like totally inappropriate. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I had my little niece here, uh, recently I had her for a few days and she is one of the joys in my life. I love that kid <sighs> so much. She's so funny. And I think like, just, she loves music. So she remembers all the words and lyrics to songs. I mean, it's just crazy to see a six-year-old be able to do that. And um, we, ha we had a bunch of different little play dates, but mostly uh, during the mornings, we dance around the house and sing. 
And just like her, when she's in her little groove and she's dancing and like nobody, she doesn't think I'm watching. I think that's just the cutest Ugh. fun, like, and it just makes me chuckle. And so w- when things are really exciting to me, I laugh or cute or, you know, and she would just say, TT, why are you laughing? And I was like, cause I think it's adorable, you know? And so it's yes. not a full on belly laugh, but it's like these l- little chuckle that just remind me how joyful kids are and how we should all bring that element of, you know, just creativity and fun into our own lives. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. For me, I laugh at a lot of things. I I believe sort of deeply that life is comedy on so many levels. It's comedy and tragedy, but you know, there's so much ridiculous about this. Come on. We are so ridiculous as humans, you know? Um, But it's also like, for me, laughter will come out of my body because I'm delighted. So it's not necessarily funny, but it's I'm delighted by what I'm experiencing. And it sounds like that's part of what you experience with your niece. It's and, and like, yeah, it could be funny, but it might just be delightful. And that's kind of in the same lane as well. I love it. All right. Last question. You read. Well, actually, second to last. Ah, We're getting close. All right. So this is a pretty broad question, but if you could initiate a positive change in the world, like what would your vision be and and why? So it's now it doesn't have to be like some be all end all thing that saves humanity. It could, you know, you can go as big as you want or as small as you want. It's just what's something that you believe in as having the potential to influence the future of humanity or simply improve the day to day life experience for yourself and others. So, like, what's something you would would share about that? Oh, that's a really big question. And I love it. I love all your questions, by the way. So thank you. <laughs> like thank these you, are killer, killer questions. They're so good. Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is I've met a lot of people in, in my, my job. And most of the time, the people that do not have a creative outlet or don't understand creativity that think of themselves as like analytical and like um, in these boxes of like tradition, they kind of lack the understanding of like how to be creative. And I think creativity within itself, no matter what you're doing, helps open up different aspects of you. And so I like I wish more people had the time and the the energy and the openness to be creative because when that happens I think we end up with people that can understand like we can understand each other like you can understand somebody else's point of view when you're creative because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to have all of these um angles to it within boxes, right? You can look at a painting and and it means something to me, a difference from you. And we can all look at it and have our own perspective and not fight about it, right? Usually nobody's at an art gallery going, how dare you call it a turtle? I saw a bird. You know what I mean, right? (laughs) It's a bird. It's a bird. Like, and like want to fight about it, right? Like, Oh my god! <laughs> you know what I mean? Bird. It's a bird. Like Can you, you get all that? upset about it. Like, right. and we do. Like we do that with politics. We do that with religion. We do that with all these yeah. things. But 
for the most part, unless it's like controversial art, when art is abstract and it's universal, Mm -hmm. we don't really fight about it. And the people that I feel like struggle the most is the ones that don't have a creative outlet and don't understand the power of it. They just think it's this thing that like these wacky, non-traditional people do. Yeah. Honestly, it's in all of us to be creative. We're creating every day throughout our lives, whether it's like what we cook, what we eat, you know, how we wear our clothes. Like those are all like creative gestures. And and so my biggest thing is I would, I think that would be healing for people. And maybe people wouldn't push their junk on people as Mm. much if they had an outlet where they could just be weird and quirky and nobody's judging them for it. Oh my God. Amen. That is the perfect note to end on. And uh, just beautiful. I love every single bit of that. Thank you. But before we close... Uh, how can people connect with you? Like, how can people support you as well? So how can they connect with you and how can they support you? So my social media handles are Tania Music. So that's on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. Uh, Tania is spelled T-E-N-E-I-A, but you probably will have that in the notes and stuff for people Mm -hmm. to look at. My name is spelled wrong all the time. Uh, Tequila is the best one that I've been called. So uh, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, tequila. Uh, But Tania, uh, Tania Music, my handle's there. Tania.com is my website. And then I do have a Patreon channel that I love where I release a lot of um, content and behind the scenes stuff if you want like a full representation of who i am my patreon channel is like the best so the patreon channel is patreon.com slash tania and and that's where you can find me and i am a tania patron myself so i have the intel and i know all the behind the scenes projects that are happening yeah i'm planting the seed listeners (laughs) so you'll maybe be interested in going to check it out because it's it's really cool to get to witness and be a part of that creative process of yours behind the scenes like that there is value in immersive connection and so i i that's one thing i really like about your patreon page your patreon sharing personally but oh sister thank you so much for being here i love you so much you're so generous with your sharing i just yeah everybody who's listening please follow tania go check her out she's amazing certainly all the trust the journey stuff but yeah go ahead girl thank you for having me it is an honor to sit with you virtually uh i love you and from the moment we sat beside each other at hatch i was just like she is a badass and i i'm just so thankful number one for our hatch group because it has brought some of the most incredible people into my lives and you are one of them and i just value you not only as a friend but as an ally and that that those are big shoes to fill and and i respect you so much for all the work you do so thank you for having me okay you we're gonna cry at the beginning i'm gonna cry at the end (laughs) i think we've we've done a successful episode everybody listening thank you as always for being here we love you too thank you thank you thank you all the online stuff you know the deal we'll see you next time